Welcome to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Greenwood, Mississippi. We are a community of Christians that exists to make disciples of Jesus Christ and influence the Delta for the glory of God. More information about Westminster can be found at www.wpcgreenwood.org. And those who are going to Little Worship can be dismissed at this time. And if you're staying in here with us, I invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter uh, 12. Uh, of course, where you can follow along in your bulletin there, uh, Luke chapter 12, 13 through, through 21. Hey, you know, uh, sometimes Jesus taught about things that uh, we don't really get, right? He uh, taught about things like denarii and uh, Samaritans and camels going through the eye of needles. And, and though we don't really know about those types of things, we can generally kind of go there with Jesus. We can kind of understand the metaphor that he's trying to, to say, right? But occasionally, Jesus says some things that needs no explanation, right? Uh, well, this morning, we come to one of those passages. Um, I, we, we may not know much about camels, but we know something about farmers building grain bins, don't we? Um, we've seen that happen. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the one parable that probably makes the most sense to us Delta folk just so happens to also be one of the most uncomfortable parables that Jesus ever taught. Um, so a few years ago, we did a summer series on the seven deadly sins. If you remember, uh, we found that what makes those sins particularly deadly is the fact that those dispositions of the, the mind and of the heart have a tendency to burrow so deep into our lives that they affect just about everything that we do, right? Um, you know, historically, the, the evangelical church in America, we've harped on sex and alcohol and the sanctity of all of human life. And yet, here Jesus tells us that there's something else alive and well that we probably need to talk about as well. It's right under our noses. In fact, it's right in our pocketbooks. It says that greed is a particularly deadly sin. Well, how deadly? Well, what we saw this morning in, when Misha was reading, did you know that the only time Jesus' direct call to discipleship was ever rejected uh, was the rich young ruler? Like every other time, people are leaving their nets, they're leaving their boats, their, Zacchaeus is climbing down out of a, a tree, you know, Levi's leaving his tax booth. They're all leaving that to follow Jesus, but the rich young ruler was the only person who said no. I mean, what a picture, right, of the death grip that our possessions and, and our things can have on us. Um, you may remember Tim Keller said that in all of his years of ministry, he's never had anyone say, you know, my problem is that I'm greedy. Uh, greed is one of those things that's so easily spotted in other people, uh, but so rarely seen in our own lives uh, greed is one of those things where it's a moving target because we all know people who are more greedy than us and we all know people who are wealthier than us and they all, we all know people who have more than us and so it's hard to see us see ourselves um, plus in, in a world in where we're taught from a really young age that more is better right that uh, that greed is good I mean have you ever heard of a church disciplining one of its members for being greedy uh, no, they were probably made an elder or a deacon or they were probably asked to lead like the women's ministry because unfortunately even in the church it's easy to buy the same law our culture has, right? That, that to have possessions and to have nice homes and cars and stuff, 
Like that equals having success. That equals life itself. Well, though we don't like to talk about money much in the church, it's probably good to remember that Jesus talked about money a lot. He, he, Jesus talked about money more than he talked about sex and more than he talked about alcohol, more than he talked about the sanctity of life even. Jesus talked about money more than he did heaven, more than he did prayer, more than about any other subject. Why? Well, when the Bible lists the sins that lead to hard hearts, this is kind of the path that takes you away from the following the Jesus way. Um, greed is almost always mentioned. It's almost as if the Bible wants us to, to see that, yes, for sure, sex, all, the, like all these greats, all these things have, have slain its thousands. But love of money, greed has slain its tens of thousands. And, and so that we could better understand and really kind of this morning just take personal inventory of the greed and its causes in our own lives, Jesus says, Let, let's, let's just simplify things. Let, let's, let's hear a story. And so with that, let's, let's hear Jesus' teaching this morning. Uh, this is God's good word, Luke 12, 13 through 21. So someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? And Jesus said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Jesus told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for you for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. All right, well, on that bombshell, let's, let's pray, shall we? Uh, Father, uh, as fallen humans, we all have a, an issue. We all have problems uh, wanting m more. Um, Lord, as we, as we walk through this passage this morning, we ask that you would give us uh, a, a godly vision of what, what does it mean to own possessions and follow you at the same time. Uh, Lord, go there uh, to the depths of our heart and reveal through your word. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So in, in, in The Hobbit, Tolkien uh, coined a term to describe the incessant craving for more that we can have as, as humans. It, it's that illogical pursuit that, that no matter how much we have nor have hoarded, it's just not enough, right? You know, we, we look at our, our neighbors and irregardless of what we have, we kind of want theirs too, right? And that's why there's a, an entire commandment, the 10th commandment, dealing with this. It's like, it's just, it's just the fallen human nature way. We can have the best stuff, and yet we want our neighbor's spouse, and we want our neighbor's worker, we want our, we want our neighbor's house, we want our neighbor's job. We, we, you know, it's, well, Tolkien called that, that, that incessant craving for more dragon sickness. 
It's a, it's a sickness because instead of having things, our things have us, right? Instead of having possessions, uh, we are possessed by our possessions, right? It's, it's really a form of slavery. Okay, well the, well, the Bible has a word for what Tolkien called dragon sickness. It's really two words, covet, covetousness and greed. Thomas Aquinas said, greed is the unreasonable or immoderate desire for riches, which means there's nothing wrong with wealth, there's nothing wrong with nice things, but when our desire for such becomes unreasonable, like we, we go beyond what is just and the fair market value of whatever we're, we're longing for, that's greed. And so greed is the love of money, it's the love of things, the love of possessions more than God. All right. So all right, what does Jesus have to say to, to those of us that have this issue with this incessant craving, this lust for more? Well, before Jesus even addressed this, the issue of greed, I want you to see in the passage that we already see one of its major side effects. Just at the beginning, that greed causes us to be so curved in on ourselves that we're really disconnected from what's going on around us, that we're out of step with what the Lord is, is doing. If you remember from last week, so Jesus is in the middle of a little bit of a sermon, and Jesus has been calling his people to follow him with courageous sincerity, um, he was encouraging them that when the world bears its teeth and you're in real trouble for Jesus' sake and you don't know what to do, he said, even then, don't fear. Even there, I'm with you. The Spirit will help you. All right. Well, this can happen to anybody who preaches, okay? So um, I, I know, like, just pretend you're a preacher for a second, okay? And, and go, just imagine this. Imagine, imagine you're preaching and, and you're up here and you've just reminded people of um, this, as we saw in our, our Heidelberg Catechism, that, like, okay, your only hope in life and death is Christ alone. And so the call to repent of, of our self-righteous attempts at seeking life and lifeless things has gone out. And then the stunning beauty of, the G, of Jesus has been, has been sung, has been proclaimed in the closing hymn. And the vibe of the congregation, we're all walking out, is, is one of, like, wonder and just thankfulness to the gospel of our gracious God, okay? That's the vibe. Only then for someone to come up after your sermon, and like all they want to talk about is how irate they are that TCU got to play in the national championship game, right? Because there are like five other SEC teams that could have done a better job than TCU at trying to play Georgia, right? Okay, if that happened to you, what would you think? You know, it'd be like, that's what I would think. Dude, who cares about TCU, Okay? Like, like, did you hear the gospel at all? Because this conversation, we can totally have this conversation at some other time. would love to have it. But for now, it's just out of sync, right? It's, it, I mean, like, read the room. Okay? <laughs> We're not here talking about the God of college football. Okay? okay, well, just like that, Jesus had just finished, up to this point, one of his most intense and pointed sermons. And here we see the headspace of greed. Right after Jesus finishes teaching, just right out of right field, this man comes up and says, has nothing to, to say about what Jesus has just taught. No, all during Jesus' teaching, this man had one thing on his mind. It, it was the, the utter distraction of greed. So he comes up to Jesus. Jesus, I need you to settle an inheritance dispute. Tell my, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me, please. And now to his credit, I mean, this wasn't an uncommon question for rabbis. Rabbis were asked all the time during this period to, to render rulings on kind of interpersonal disputes. 
But Jesus made it clear that like, he wasn't here to be Judge Judy for these people. And he's not here to do people's court. Now, we know that Jesus is going to return as judge one day, but 2,000 years ago, Jesus was here for one purpose. He was here to seek and to save the lost. And so though he didn't provide judgment, he did use this opportunity really to teach us a timeless principle. verse 15. And Jesus said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. In other words, watch out. Y'all, please be on the guard for all kinds of greed. Apparently, in this situation, one brother wanted to keep all that he could of the inheritance, and the other brother wanted to get all that he could of the inheritance. And, and we see that greediness, the all forms of covetousness, it arises in the hearts of both those who have and those who have not. Right? The poor, the rich, and everybody in between are plagued by this. And so Jesus said, look, your life, I know you don't believe this, but your life does not consist in all of your possessions. And talk about a principle that, that flies in the face of modern America, right? And we, we live in a society that actively teaches the exact opposite of this. You know, we, we grow up being told that what education and talents and finances and toys and land we possess, that's how we get our standing in society, right? I've probably shared this, but this is just like one of those like seminal like moments in my life. But when I was in sixth grade, I was for sure, totally for sure, that life itself consisted in owning Reebok pumps. You remember the Andre Agassi pumps, right? And and, and if I if I could get those pumps, like I'd be cool, um, I'd be popular. Maybe I could dunk a basketball. Who knows? In sixth grade, every everybody would want to be my friend. And to my sixth grade mind, you could not tell me that pumps did not equal life, right? And now, did my parents get me pumps? And I think y'all know my parents by now. No, my parents did not understand this. Um, well, they got me pumps like five years later when, when pumps was no longer where life was found at that point. And yet Jesus here is, Jesus is saying the same thing Mikhail Progorov, the, you know, the, the great Russian billionaire oligarch, told Stephen Colbert in a somewhat recent interview. Colbert sat down to interview the, the Russian billionaire and, of course, owner of the Brooklyn Nets. And Colbert asked, really the question probably we would all ask, like, what, what's the best thing to own if you're super rich? Like, what's the best thing? Like, do you have a yacht? And the billionaire just looked at Stephen Colbert in this thick Russian accent. He just said, just, just a piece of advice for you, Steve. Don't be attached to things be free and of course Colbert was stunned because he's talking to some a billionaire that really just doesn't care about things and Colbert was stunned didn't really know what to say but he kind of tongue-in-cheek said but, but but you do have a yacht right and the billionaire said yes yes I, I have a yacht but I don't know where it is now it's one thing for our materialistic culture you know to fool us into thinking that possessions actually equal life when you're 12 or when you're like 15 but what about when you're 50 or 70? You know, what about when you're on your deathbed? I mean, Jesus is so clear that trying to grab life by holding on to things, acquiring things is a fool's errand. And, you know, as the great wealth and wealthy Solomon said, he who loves money, I mean, you're not going to be satisfied with money. And so to cement this truth in our minds, Jesus told a parable about a rich fool. And now, look, coincidentally, in this parable, the rich fool just so happens to be a farmer. 
And so no offense to any farmers here, okay? Uh, this guy, this, this fool is just meant to represent us all. Wherever you are in your life, whatever your profession from, you know, if you are a student all the way to a retiree, this is for you. Okay. And, and this is where we need to slow down. Because if we were honest, what Jesus said here sounds a, kind of a lot like our goal in life, doesn't it? Like it sounds an awful lot like the, the American dream. Heck, it sounds a lot like what we like to tell our kids. You know, far from being a fool, let's, think, let's give this guy a TED Talk. Because this guy, he, has, he, he is living the life that we've all wanted. It's be successful, get rich, so that you can retire early, move down to the villages where you can sit Mai Tais and play pickleball all day, right? I mean, could there be anything better than that? Okay, well, why then does Jesus call this person a fool? Because, like, he sounds pretty good to me. Well, it's obvious that he's a gifted farmer, right? He's done everything right. The Lord has given him this ideal season, this bumper crop. In fact, he has such a big crop, he, he doesn't even know what to do with this crop. He's got so much. And so as a good farmer with a good business mind, he wisely built bigger barns. Let's, let's get bigger grain bins to, to hold it all. But none of that is why Jesus called him a fool. So, so far, farmers, you're off the hook, okay? So far, so good. But did you notice the headspace of greed creeping in? It's so subtle. There's, there's no concept here that God may be blessing this person for a reason. That's more than just him enjoying this, this stuff. Total self-absorption of greed. The, the fool thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger barns. I mean, Jesus is being so explicit. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. You know, we've said this before, but one of the most unchristian words you can say is the word mine. Right? Oddly, that's one of the first words we learn as a child is mine. Um, this, this man is a fool because he, he didn't see that he was a steward of God's blessing, of God's blessings in his life. He foolishly thought it was all his, right? Which then comes the second reason he's a fool. Verse 19, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, eat be merry. You know, anytime you see that phrase that, that in, in the Bible, eat, drink, be merry, it's, uh, it's trying to like capture the zeitgeist of the day, right? It's, it's um, hey, look, you, just, you got plenty of money? Ham it up, right? It's, it's, it's YOLO. This is like YOLO culture. And with that, really, he's shown his cards. And, and with this one verse, Jesus has summarized the entire retirement culture of America, right? You you work hard so that you can be financially secure enough to retire. And, and he's a fool because he thought that, that these, he could find security in possessions rather than a person, right? The, the God-man. As one pastor said, his mistake was that he thought that he would run out of money before he ran out of time. And so he hoarded and hoarded and hoarded, all the while thinking he would have plenty of time to enjoy all that he had. And yet none of his riches could save him. He's a fool because he'd given no thought of the future of his soul. And so just quick aside, you know, this is the only place the Bible really speaks about retirement. And, and notice it doesn't exactly get glowing reviews from Jesus, okay? 
Now, of course, of course, yes, there's aging, they're slowing down, they're serving God in other God-glorifying ways than you have you know, previously. But retiring to check out to a life of self-indulgent hedonism, I'm just, I mean, it appears to be really kind of the anti-God state of mind. And so with that, Jesus came in with a punchline, verse 20. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And all, the, all this stuff that you've been working for, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. Okay, the point isn't that having a big farm or big business is wrong. The, the point isn't that making a lot of money and having cool things is wrong. No, no Jesus tells you, if that's you, then you have a tremendous opportunity that not everyone has to be rich in God. Okay, that's an awesome opportunity. Now, Jesus is talking about what's first. It's first priorities. It's knowing what Jesus said, that what, would, what will it profit you if you gain the whole world and yet forfeit your soul? Um, you, you know, I, I probably shouldn't say this, but here we go. We can edit this out later, right? Um, we, we love the stanzels, right? Um, I, was, I was just thinking about this. It's like, how quickly things can turn. I mean, how quickly things can turn, right? Um, you, we think everything is great, and we're, plan we're all planning to live till we're like 100, right? And yet, we're not even promised this afternoon. Um, you know, when the trial's come, it's not like you get an announcement, like a two-week notice that the trial's coming. Right when, when, when the cancer diagnosis hits you in that moment, and, and when, you know, when you're knocked down in your face with your own life, oh yeah, your own mortality, like Reebok pumps, Lulu whatever, grain bins, retirement homes, fat accounts, like, that is the furthest thing from your mind. It's like in that moment, all that stuff is exposed for the utter just vapor that it is. You know, can we say, you know, DeMar Hamlin, right? Just collapsing just like that in the middle of the game, right? You know, when we're left with our frailty and our need and really the weight of our sin, we see that life and hope does not consist in the abundance of our possessions. But it has, it does, and always will consist in a relationship to a person, okay? And I know this is like preacher talk, but I promise you, when you are there, like, this is the reality. So what is the answer to our greed then? Well, the Bible tells us about another rich person, of course, is a, a person who had all the heavenly riches. But instead of hoarding them, he left them. And he actually came to earth and he made himself nothing. And he died destitute on the cross so that if you are in him... You could become heirs of his heavenly inheritance. It's what Misha read, right? It's 2 Corinthians. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. For though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Well, how's that? Well, God says if you make his son your treasure, then you will become his treasure. And there's this beautiful exchange where God, the creator of the universe... No longer, like, the shame, the condemnation is gone, and, and he sees you as the apple of his eye, and he dotes on you. In fact, the, the Bible says that your name is written on his hands. 
And so if you're, if you're not a believer, maybe you're, you're just super skeptical, maybe you just don't even know, uh, can I encourage you this morning? There is something that can fill you up. Like there is something out there that is enough for you. Uh, you don't have to keep drinking from wells that all run dry. You know, Jesus calls himself the living water. It's this endless fountain. And so I want to ask you, like right now, to pray for Jesus to capture your heart. Okay? At the end of the day and really at the end of life, like he's the only place you're going to find rest. Okay? And then if you are a believer, we know that faith is a gift from God. He gives us that faith. But exercising it is a choice, right? It is a choice to exercise that faith. And so there are spiritual disciplines, there are you know, graces, if you will, that God has given us to help us train our hearts. And so let's put ourselves in the path of that. Like wherever you can find like, that sweet gospel message. And one is worship, right? Come to worship. Seek opportunities to hear and just to respond to Jesus. Um, and and y'all know this, there's a lot of songs, a lot of sermons, a lot of churches that like, that is not what you're probably going to hear. And, and you kind of get it when you're there, right? But to have this like Holy Spirit moment where you see something that's better than, better than you thought. So that, his message is the only thing that can kill greed. And then it's really to remember in response to that that God, oh yeah, God is the giver of all good things, not money. I keep forgetting that. You know, one church father said that if the only prayer you ever pray is thank you, if that's all you ever say to God, then you've, you've prayed well enough. Like you, you get the gospel. If all you can say is thank you. And then finally, part of Responding to Jesus' generosity towards us is really the Spirit forming us to be a people marked by generosity ourselves. You know, Jesus constantly taught the principle that if we loosen our grip on our possessions, our possessions will loosen their grip on us. That as forgiven, loved, and free children of God, we all have an opportunity to be rich toward God. And you know how the early church approached this. Of course, this is a different day. But the early church approached this like this. In the 300s, the Archbishop of Constantinople said, if you have two shirts in your closet, then one belongs to you and one belongs to somebody who doesn't have a shirt. I mean, it's just that simple back then in the early church. It's like, if you got more than you need, just give it away. So give away generously. Uh, that's a way to reclaim this reality that, that what you have really comes from God. It's a gift. And, and so... Um, you know, I'm certainly guilty of the opposite of this, but like when, when, you, when, you pass, when we pass the plate, which we're doing again, um, or if you choose to give online, I, I really want to encourage you like not to passively just kind of ho-hum through that, but really to, to take that moment of, of, of worship as a countercultural declaration of freedom that we reject the God of mass consumerism. I mean, like, I know it's hard because like, you were giving, like, you just earned that money, it's a part of your paycheck, and yet you're giving money you know, to the cause of the gospel that you very well could go, like, you could eat, drink, and be merry with that money. Like you could go, that's another vacation at the end of the year, all the tithe money you've given, right? And yet it's a, it, it's a countercultural declaration of freedom 
And it's a, it's a confession that all that we have and all that we are is in and by and through God's grace alone. And so as Mr. May, the truth sets you free that our life does not consist in the abundance of possessions, not even close. Last night I was watching this interview with Vince Gill. You know, Vince Gill, you know, country singer, but he's like probably the biggest uh, collector of rare and vintage guitars in America. He's got this huge collection of these super expensive guitars. And the interviewer was asking, all right, there's a fire coming, all right, and, and you've got time to get four guitars out. What, what are you getting? And so he goes around and he shows the four guitars. And oddly, it's the four guitars he started with. It's all the like, kind of some way, it's a cheap guitar that he got when he was like 13. In other words, he's saying it's the, the guitars that have been with me this whole time and that have, been, that have been with me, those are the ones that are the most valuable to me. Um, well, we have something more than guitars, right? We, we've got something that's been with us a long time through it all. Um, our life, our hope, our everything uh, always has been Jesus. And it still ultimately is found in Jesus. Um, so this is just an invitation again, to come to him and be satisfied. Let me pray for us. Father, as it's been said, that there, there are no pockets in the shroud, uh, that there are no compartments in the casket. And so, Lord, may we sing and really mean it, just that simple song that I, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have it than men's applause. We'd rather have that than the vast domain of a king. So Lord, just give us Jesus. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Hi, Richard Owens here. I just wanted to take a second to say thank you for listening to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church. Our prayer is that the Lord would use this message to encourage you in the gospel, and that you would find Jesus to be more beautiful than you ever, ever imagined. If you'd like to find out more about who Jesus is or more about our church, I invite you to visit our website at wpcgreenwood.org. God bless.